Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. To kick off the conversation on today's show, joined by Ken Sweeney, showbiz editor of The Sun. There you are, Ken. Good to see you. Good to see you, Tom. How are you? I'm very well. You're joining us with news that you think Dublin city centre is kind of dying a bit. Well, it's the buzz. I mean, you know, I live out in Scaries most of the time in lockdown. I've been working from home and I came in. A couple of months ago and I keep coming in and every time I come in I get this shock at what Dublin city centre is like so Dublin used to be a place with a buzz about it it was an exciting place to go but there's no buzz anymore Tom I just feel there's so many um, closed up shops it's so derelict it's so dirty I know people are saying this but even Grafton Street I mean first thing you do when you come into a new city is you know a tourist would go and look at the main streets or the big streets and um, like there's so many vacant vacant and um Closed shops on it, like five or six. And you got to think you got Marks and Spencers and Brown Thomas. They seem to be carrying everybody, and there's a big change that's taken place. Do you think is that um, post COVID now that businesses are still just trying to open their doors, and a lot of companies went to the wall during it, and it's hard to bounce back from it, and it'll take a bit of time. I think that uh, obviously, if people are working remotely, and there's you know people working in Roscommon and Leitrim and all these places, obviously that's less people in town, that's less footfall. But there's something else going on. If you take Grafton Street, obviously there's very high rents, and uh, maybe the the owners of the the um, the lots are thinking thinking about it and thinking, well, we're going to wait until we get somebody in who's going to pay a huge Wonga uh, price uh, rent to us. Um, and shops like, you know, Tommy Hilfiger, um, you know, pulling out and that's, the, you know, that's going into places like Brown Thomas instead. Obviously, they're not going to cover their rents, but... It, you know, you have to wonder, is this just this just commerce? Like years ago, you know, we had things like, I don't know, there was the Magnet Bar, there was different venues and different shops. But, you know, I used to hang, I used to do a lot of my work in the Central Hotel and that's being redeveloped into some big hotel. And that's kind of gone. That was one of, you always have someone from Hot Press in there doing an interview, like three seats away. Tremendous place. You places like Bewley's, you had these kind of intrinsically Irish places where we used to hang out. And the problem I have is, as well, is that with um, COVID, uh, things became a lot more organised and a lot more sanitised and we used to just pile into pubs do you remember the North yes. we'd pile into the pub yeah. and we'd all be in there on top of one another and it would spill out of the pub outside the Norseman outside the International Bar we'd all start chatting to one another and you'd end up talking to people you'd, you know, you'd never think you were going to have a chat with and, and they tell you their life story now because of Covid it's a lot more sanitised it's a lot more um, spaced out you can't quite you know that's not we people never, loved that Ken listen, people were saying look we're, we're like the French now we're sitting forget. in the middle of the street having our lunch okay. Okay, forget it. Here's what I say to this, right? Yeah, France is great. You can sit outside. No one went to France for the crack. They came to Ireland. They came to Dublin for the crack. And the crack was outside. Is the crack under the fat? <laughs> the crack is gone. You know, you can't have those kind of tables, the way they're kind of spaced, the way we're doing it now. No one sat outside bars in Dublin. It just didn't <laughs> happen. And, and as a result, it was all going on inside. We were all hanging out inside and on top of one another and having a great time. And I just think that this has, has added to make matters worse, you know. Right. Are there other things at play? I'm just kind of thinking because there's a yeah. lot of different trends going on in society. Mm. You know, streets are being pedestrianised. Harder to bring your car into the city these days. Mm. Cyclists are king. You know, they're the king. I was out there today. Who did I bump into eating his lunch? But Noel Rock, who's former Fine Gael TD and now public uh, affairs um, uh, expert. And uh, he was just, he's got a great kind of feel for it. And Noel was saying to me, what the problem is really is that the rent's obviously are too high. And that also that we have this mix um, 
You have this mix between uh, you know cars and pedestrians, and yeah. if you decide on one or the other, it would go. It would it would perhaps be better. But I think it is as well as people are prepared to. Um, you know, it's so much easier. I, I live up in Scaries. It's easier to get to Swords to go into Swords. You can park your car for free. Coming into Dublin, you're parking your car. You know, it's a lot of trouble getting in. You're probably paying twenty euros to park your car. The shops aren't there. You could go to Dundrum. You could go to Liffey Valley. You could go yeah. to all these places. Right, well, yeah, and you won't go to Dublin City Centre. Is the thing. Right. Unless you're inviting me in here to do the show today. I, I right. think, the I think there reason. are things that'll drag you in, but I think I think there's something really going on here. Okay. Text saying small business has been hammered by the government in increasing the cost of employing staff, extra bank holiday and sick pay, and then all the other costs covering government covering current government seems to be very anti business. The crack is within the person, not within the building or the street. But, but how, can the, how can you, how can you, you know, involve yourself with other people and you know integrate if, if it's kind of one part? I mean, that's a bit frightening. The crisis within the person, people have to get out, they have to get chat, and think of all the crack we've had over the years. Remember downstairs in the international bar and the good old yes, days? absolutely, yes, <laughs> too far back. Yeah. But I, I think there is something sad here. And I mean, okay, listen, if you go to Grafton Street and Henry Street, my dad worked in Ireland for thirty nine years. I'm glad my dad's dad's long gone because he wouldn't believe what Henry Street is is like now with all these vacant shops and it's a real shame and I think something needs to be done about right. it. Give us your views there to 53106 and I'm just kind of wondering that thing you're saying there about the high rents and there's only certain people, certain types of business that can afford those rents and they tend to be kind of big, huge yeah. uh, in multinational shops which tend to be the same as when you'll see in every city. Yeah. After that, that was, Dublin gets did, the last did the men folk. of 1916, 1916 did they give their lives to well. all these chains and I just think that you know years ago you know, he, you know Echo and the Bunnyman would come into town they'd hang out in Bewley's and we had all these wonderful you know original Irish places to go and now it's just like I lived in England for 10 years it looks like every other kind of English city and that's my problem. Okay are we losing character 53106 please for your text now then you're also finding that you're moving and um, from going to gigs to going to the theatre. Yeah, that was the big kind of discovery. I suppose, you know, it was lockdown and theatres were threatened and they stopped completely. And this is what I found. I just love going to the theatre and I've really got into it. And I feel as well that so many of my favourite bands come into town, they play their greatest hits and you almost feel like they're kind of miming on stage. Not something happens on that, that, right? But no, We don't uh, have any greatest band, hits. It's band. <laughs> That's true. There's bands and I just feel I wasn't getting anything more out of it. So the last um, in the last couple of years, I've kind of moved towards theatre and I've seen some brilliant shows and I love it I love going into these little venues and if you're talking about particular shows I'd say Gabriel Byrne's one man show Walking with Ghosts in the Gaiety that was fantastic he was talking about growing up in Dublin one man Gabriel Byrne on stage absolutely fantastic you know you could drop a pin in the place I'm so quiet you're talking about uh, so Constellations at the Gate that brilliant you know Brian Gleeson and Sarah Morris that was an amazing show in fact it was so good Tom I went back twice and recently Billy Roach who I love his cavalcaders um, in, the, yeah. uh, in the in the pavilion that was just a Druid production. Everything you want. Billy Roach is really into uh, his favourite uh, thing is The Searchers. You know that John Wayne film? Yeah. He knows how to deliver. And most of all, I love the Glass Mass Theatre, which is set up by Rex Ryan and his, and his wife down on Dawson Street. It's small, intimate theatre. It's like what the Project Art Centre was in the 70s. Not only are, not only is the play in your face, other punters are. You want to you be getting on with everybody and everyone sits around after and it's the most exciting place to go. They're launching a new season of short plays, actually the 18th of 19th of uh, this month and that's a fantastic place to go I just love the spontaneity of theatre I love two or three guys just holding my attention and I think we should support it and if much much older people aren't going to the theatre anymore I think it's, it's up to 
younger people, a little bit younger, <laughs> step into the breach like you and me, Tom. Are, are we younger? <laughs> this is fantastic news. Um, I was just thinking two things. There's an air of mm. nostalgia that Dublin isn't what it was and, and the gigs aren't what it was, you know. So maybe you you are the common points there again you know no, have you so, moved on yeah, yeah well I think as a, as a journalist I've had this really weird extended you know uh, adolescence where, where I've, I've had to go to gigs and, and uh, you know go to shows but I, I just think that um, I don't know music I've just kind of moved on from music to theatre because maybe I've seen these bands too many times now there are some great venues out there you know you know I'm not going to name any but yeah. you, you'll, if they're playing there you'll go and see them you know um, like the Workman's Club Whelan's places like that there's lots more great venues yeah. but I don't know I just think but you're just appreciating yeah. theatre and there's great theatre out there well, which is great to say that yeah, sounds yeah. like a very kind of you know ah, there is say. ah there is there is great theatre did you go there to Conor McPherson I met you that day oh, you were yeah, going into fantastic it. yeah yeah. The girl from the North County yeah yeah, great. Yeah. Um, now you've also been watching Woodstock '99, which I think I a did. lot of people this have been on TV. And you have to say, where if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix, isn't it? <laughs> where do you want to? St- where, where can we start on this? This is just the best thing on TV at the moment. Why? Because it just unfolds, and it's only three episodes, and they don't play the thing out. And what I love most about it all, most about it is, instead of getting some BBC Radio One DJs, some American you know personalities to talk about Woodstock '99, they've got these kind of Beavis and Butthead type guys who rat it. You get the sense of excitement of them going, and then what happened in the what they saw there and it is just absolutely fantastic um, Beavis and Butthead types how god, god honest just, to god they were just people who were at the gig oh, yet, they were just, you know? no it's just the excitement and the way they, the way they kind of and there is this thing in Woodstock 99 where what's happening is so terrible that people literally have their head in their hands you're seeing this thing unfold of course if you're going to look into it at Woodstock 99 they were trying to recapture 30 years of Woodstock and the thing is Tom you can't recapture these things these things happen spontaneously there was a Vietnam anti-war movement the people turned up someone filmed it Woodstock became Woodstock you cannot recreate no, these things no you can't and you try and it's a disaster and if you sell off if you're selling water for four bucks a bottle or something like that and you're taking water off people coming in as they were at Woodstock 99 it's going to be a disaster for those who don't know um, it's the film about the second uh, festival which ends in absolute disaster the riot police are actually called in to deal with it it is so bad and the festival is on fire it's you think it's actually been made up it's like the the fire festival thing this was one of the most important points is the fire festival which was another documentary about a disastrous festival they went nuts on social media 99 was before social yes. media so they couldn't go out and complain by Friday night they would have been saying listen this is don't come to this place this is a nightmare they weren't they they were saving money there had been a previous Woodstock 94 uh, festival they'd lost money people had come in over the gate so they had a, they had this one with, with a walled disused army base there was lots of tarmac atom, lots of heat and they booked all the wrong bands <laughs> But you not think it was a little bit that it, it actually did reflect its time. That 1969, yeah. it had caused Phil's Nash yeah. and Young. It had yeah. a very, you know, yeah. Johnny Bay's all kind of love, peace and understanding, which yeah. is where the world was at the yeah. time. But in 1999, when you go back, so you have these bands like Limp Biscuit and Kid Rock and Corn, who are yeah. just whipping the yeah. crowd into a frenzy. They are. They're all the wrong bands. Anger what I, music. What I love about it is that for Woodstock 99, they got some of the younger organisers who were involved. This guy, Lee Rosenblatt, 22, assistant site manager. This guy's brilliant. He's saying to these guys who are booking the bands, you can't book these bands like Corn and Rage Against the Machine. You're going to get all these lunatics turning up and they're saying, no, listen, don't worry about a kid. We're not interested in what you've got to say. So they book these bands and then this thing unfolds and it's, as I said, it's the perfect length this series. It's three episodes and it actually gets worse just as the, I mean, the, the, the heat, you know, the heat comes on. The vendors who can sell uh, sell water for four books, they realise that by Sunday they can sell it for eight books. People are getting wasted. MT 
TV presenters, these VJs, they turn up, they've been in the Bahamas, they're up on these kind of towers and, and the, the audience are so seething with anger. These MTV presenters start to become targets and start to get these, you know, cans of beers thrown at them or whatever. And to make matters even worse, on the last day of the festival, they hand out these really pissed off festival goers, 100,000 cans, and they set the place alight. <laughs> I, that for me was the defining moment in it. because it because part of the And again, Lee Rosenblatt's going, don't give these people candles. These people aren't hippies. They're not the lovies, love man. These people are angry, angry people. Did, did you think it kind of damaged the Woodstock um, kind of brand, I suppose, in yeah. a way? Because yeah. it made Michael Lang, who was involved in both yeah. festivals, he was the, the power behind the first one, yeah. and he's involved in this as well. It made him look a little bit naive. It did. I mean, he said he didn't know what these bands were like, but this there's wonderful press conferences running throughout this series of docs, and they're talking, you know, throughout the series of doc, the of the doc, and it's the press conferences every day at Woodstock of Michael Lang and John Shearer, the fellow promoter. They're saying things are going great. What's the problem? You know, this, it put a brave face on it. But what I love most of all, and this this says something about rock and roll. At the very end of this documentary, these kids have been through all this stuff. Would you come back next year? Oh yeah, I'd love to come back next year. <laughs> yeah, it was the experience of a I lifetime. Was, I was just thinking, what is going on with these kids? And, yeah. and it's, it, we're going back to you asking me about theatre and music and stuff like that. I went to see Yola Tango, a band we're familiar with years ago in London, in the worst venue possible. I mean, just no one else would would gather apart from an indie crowd to see a band in that venue. It's the same thing, I think. That's why, you know, theatres are nice places to go. And you'd have to ask yourself, why would 400,000 kids go to a disused army yeah. army base with a big wall on it? And the other thing about Woodstock 99, normally there's a hole in the fence at a festival and people are getting in. At Woodstock 99, they were trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> they did leave. It was um, it was very serious. Um, I was at Woodstock 99, says one listener, the yeah. uh, Netflix doc is totally sensationalised. Sens- sens- well, hang on, hang on. I'm going to stop this now. They have so much footage of the Yeah, they do. And, and there's no I mean, denying that the riot police were called argue. in. They didn't recreate anything. Yeah. They, you know, and, and like these people have got their head in their hands talking about it. And the, the footage, the amateur and, footage and is the, unbelievable. The thing that really struck me was the, the toxic masculinity. Yeah. The lads who, yeah. you know, they'd normally yeah. be out together, yeah. you know, going crazy over the weekend. But now they're all in the one place going crazy. And then you have those bands going on stage, whipping them into a frenzy. I know, and kind of in Enjoying it at the same time, you're thinking, we're like, well, what, what, you know, where is the where is the reason? And that guy, Gavin Rossdale from Bush, he talks about going on after corn, and he said he looked out at this huge, seething, angry, aggressive crowd, and he said he was terrified. He said it was like it was like you know diving into the deepest, darkest sea. <laughs> he didn't know what was going to happen, you know. Uh, anger, anger, anger is the main thing. Um, was the social life in Dublin really better 30 years ago than today? I'm not convinced. Uh, nostalgia mm. allows itself to remember only the good, which is very true. But uh, but you, you can't get over the change in the city, though, and the, and the yeah, empty buildings. Yeah, and yeah. I, I crossed Nassau Street today. I was the only person crossing Nassau Street. What's that? I know, it's more a nighttime yeah, society now, isn't it? Um, now that you're yeah. also very taken by the world of cats. Should now cats be locked up, Tom? You're getting yourself on Should very... I'm not saying you weren't on thin ice during the whole last 15 minutes, but you're moving on to extremely thin ice now. Okay. There's a place in Germany called Waldorf, and basically what's happened is they've banned cats, they've locked them up, because they've, only, they've got these very rare birds there, endangered birds. And the birds have been under such threat. There's only three uh, pairs of them. They're called, what are they called? Uh, They're called crested laurels. And basically the the authorities have realised that these 
these cats, these birds are going to be wiped out by cats if, if they don't keep the cats indoors. So they've locked up all the cats. And I thought about this and I thought about how incendiary this is to bring onto News Talk. So I rang up Niall Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland to say, could this happen? Is this true? Like, if, if there's three breeding pairs of a bird in Germany, are they right to lock up all the cats? And he said to me, which is pretty incredible, the first thing he said to me was, it's more to do with habitation and what messes up uh, bird, bird life. But he said to me that in Ireland, this yes. happens, that your average moggy kills one bird a day. I get yeah, it. No, town. seriously. And, Come on. And Ken. listen, because it's sparrows and whatever, small, yes. you know, run of the male birds, no one cares. But he said that and some of them kill multiple. Uh, multiple these figures birds. need to be checked. I mean, most people this is just let their cat out in the morning. Right. Are you saying they're welcoming a murder they could back be into the house? Up soon, right? It could be like a Mount Joy <laughs> for, for cats. Right. And in, you know, the more scary thing about Germany is there were the fines were like a couple of grand if you let your cat out and you had to keep it on a two foot leash or something like that. Yeah. So listen. And these cats, it's not a big problem at the moment because the cats in Ireland kill kind of run of the mill birds. But if we had a very rare bird and we only had a few pairs of, you know, uh, nesting birds left, we would have to take those kind of measures. Right. So, but, but you are kind of suggesting that cats, cats have had a free run. run. <laughs> they have had a free run, you know, and the owners have no and idea. And it should end. It should come to, to yeah. an end. Yeah. And we're part of the EU and there's probably a directive. We can't let, you know, our, our indigenous uh, birds, you know, become yeah. extinct. So, so from so, now on, cats listen, indoors are on a lead. It's going to come over here soon. <laughs> Your cats are going to get locked up. <laughs> the very best of luck to you. If you think I'll be getting home. Yeah, we'll, we'll get an armed guard to get you out here. <laughs> Good luck with that. Ken Sweeney there. All, all views his. <laughs> 53106 for your texts on that. It is right now time for this. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 pm on News Talk.